We are in this series called Transformed, and we made it to Acts chapter 19. If you have your Bible, just hold it because we're going to be going pretty quick, but you can turn there if you want because we'll be pretty much in Acts 19 a lot, and you can follow along. We have it on the screen as well, but Acts chapter 19, Paul makes it to Ephesus, and as he comes to Ephesus, which is a a great city. It's one of the great cities in ancient times. And it actually, I mean, it had all kinds of things. I'm not going to get into all these details. You can look it up and Google it if you want. But there, I mean, one of the things that it had was like a 20 to 25,000 seat arena or amphitheater. And many times I've heard when people are looking at antiquity, you can pretty much take the size of a theater like that and multiply it by 10 and you would get the size of the city. So somewhere around 200 to 250,000 people in this city. It was a rather large city. And it was, it was a hub because all these roads went out from, from Ephesus into the Roman, into to all these different territories. So Acts chapter 19 and verse 8. And he entered the synagogue. Remember, if you've been following along, this is what Paul does. He comes into a new city. He enters the synagogue. For three months, he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading with them about the kingdom of God. Now, if you know Paul's pattern, Paul only makes it two or three Sundays or Saturdays, whatever, you you know, two or three synagogue times before he's booted out. Here he is for three months. He's in the synagogue. So he's making some traction here. And in fact, this would be one of the the strongest areas of impact that Paul would actually have. And so he's there for three months reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, which, by the way, that is what they begin to call following Jesus was the way. How many of you guys know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life became known as the way? Before the congregation, he withdrew from them, and he took the disciples with him. And then he started reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This would have been some sort of meeting hall that he would have most likely had to rent and to set up shop there. And so daily, he would have a teaching. This was a place, Ephesus was a place that people would come in and they would want to check things out. It was a port city, so sometimes people would be coming in for you know maybe a couple weeks and staying there. And so they'd go and they'd see all of the, the grandeur of Ephesus. And after you're there for a couple weeks and you've seen everything there is to see, maybe after a while you hear about this guy named Paul who's lecturing in the lecture house of, of in Tyrannus. And so let's go hear what Paul has to say this guy who's given a lecture and given a speech. And so many people probably went to hear him as well. And this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. If he's in Ephesus, why would all the Jews in Asia hear? It's because it was a port city. People were coming in. People would come for just a little while and they would hear Paul's message and then they would go out and they would spread. So this was a strategic move by the Apostle Paul to set up shop for two years and to have people come in and then they would go back home and they would share the gospel. It was an amazing thing. And so over that two years as he's teaching, Paul began to get quite a reputation You know, some bad, probably, because people are like, who is this guy? But then also, as he's going out all over the place, people would be saying, hey, this guy, Paul. And he began to develop a reputation after two years of, you know, this message being imparted into people. And so, let me just ask you the question right out of the gate here. What kind of reputation do you think you have? Like, uh, let's just think about it for a second. Because we all kind of have an imagination, maybe, a perception of what people think of us 
or what kind of reputation we have. Maybe there's stories that we could point back to, or maybe we've heard feedback from other people. And so we all have in our minds something that we think of when we think what other people think about us, right? But what is it? What, I mean, what is your true reputation? I, I like to ask, have people ask this question. If you really want to find out some information about this, go to a trusted friend and ask them this question. What is it that everyone knows about me, but no one is willing to say? If you can go to a trusted friend and you can ask them that question, because most likely there are things about you that are blind spots that actually have become your reputation. Well, Paul had a reputation, and some good, some bad. But what I want you to understand is that with your reputation comes an impartation. You are imparting something to somebody by what reputation you have. And that can be good or that can be bad. As somebody once said, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you actually are. See, a lot of us, we want to, and especially like pastors, like we teach stuff all the time. But listen, I'm only going to replicate in other people's lives truly who I really am. And that starts with people up close to me. That starts with, I mean, but truly, I can teach all kinds of things that I know, but I'm only going to reproduce who I actually am. And so Paul was a great teacher, but Paul also was reproducing and replicating the gospel in other people. And, and it took it to even strange degrees, because look at this in Acts chapter 19, verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. So even more so, literally, Paul was reproducing what was in him was now being replicated in other people, and that was called freedom in Christ. And so freedom in Christ that was touching, it was touching him and being replicated in other people. So you have a reputation right now in the natural, whether you like it or not, whether it's good or whether it's bad, you have a reputation in the natural. But when all you have is a reputation in the natural, some days it's not going to be enough just to have a reputation in the natural. Because as we look further, we see some guys who had a reputation in the natural for doing some good things, but all they had was a reputation in the natural. Acts chapter 19, verse 13, the very next scripture. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So what was happening these guys who had a reputation of casting out evil spirits, they saw what Paul was doing, and they tried to do that themselves. But they had a reputation in the natural, but watch what happens. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them. They may not have been ready for this. And it says, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? See, they had a reputation in the natural, but in the spirit, no one knew them. And so it didn't matter what their natural resume was in this moment. As you can see, it says, and the man who, in whom the evil was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they ran and fled out of the house naked and wounded. That is a bad day. No matter how you slice it, that's a bad day, right? And so these guys found out really, really quick 
that if all I have is a reputation in the natural, there are going to be some days of my life where I need more than just a reputation in the natural. And if I, all I have is a reputation in the natural, then some days that's not going to be enough. And so here's what I want you to understand. There's going to always be opposition to your kingdom identity. There's going to be opposition. Whenever you, whenever you try to walk in your kingdom identity, your kingdom reputation, I guess we could call it, there's always going to be opposition because there are going to be some days when a non-kingdom identity, if you try to live in a non-kingdom identity, if you face a demonic assault, it will, have, it will take the best of you. If all you are operating in is just a natural reputation, a natural ability, then there are some days a demonic assault will try to come into your life, and it's going to win if that's where you're coming from. But a kingdom identity always wins. Somebody say amen to that. So we need to, let me just say it this way, we need to spend less time concerned with our natural reputation and more time concerned with our spiritual identity. Because the more you fuel the spiritual identity, the more, that, that's what really, really matters. Years ago, I had, some, I had a bank call me, and they said, hey, are you trying to take out a loan in, like, Wichita? No. How many of you guys have ever had your identity stolen before? <laughs> Anybody like that? I, and they were trying to steal my identity. And they said, well, you got to come in here because we've got, you, we've got somebody who's saying that they're trying to start a, a, you know, an account and trying to you know, take out a loan. And I, so I had to go in there. What happened? This person in Wichita took my name, but they didn't have my authority because I had the authority. They were trying to take, listen, there are some of us who are walking around who we take the name of Jesus, but we are not walking in our rightful authority. And so what I want to do is I want to give you some spiritual ID, some ID that you need to carry. See, we have a natural ID, right? But I want to give you some spiritual ID, and I'm going to give you three pieces of ID that you need to have on you if you want to walk in this new level that I believe God is calling you to walk. Because every day, the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning, which means that he's always calling us higher every single day that we get up. And so the first spiritual ID is this. I want you to know, very simply, you have authority in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say Authority. Now let's say authority with authority. Say authority. authority. You have authority in the name of Jesus. So here's how it works. You go all the way to the beginning of the book. God delegates, you remember? God delegates his authority to Adam, and he gives him dominion. He says, go name all the animals. You've got dominion over it all. Then what happens? Adam and Eve, they surrender the authority to Satan, ultimately opening up the door of sin and death. Then what happens? Jesus comes on the cross, and he takes it back, right? I love this, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. He did this by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Somebody say amen. I'm going to get you to say amen, whether you want to or not, because that is good news. So Jesus took back the authority. I could say it this way. What we lost in Adam's name, we get back in Jesus' name. 
What was lost in his name, we get back through Jesus. In, in the Old Testament, we even see all these names of God. You know, he's, our, he's our provider. He's our banner. He's, you know, all these Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisa. We can go all through these names of God. These names have authority. They mean something. They carry authority. I want you to understand right now. Let me just talk in a way that maybe you don't hear talked about in today's culture. There are demonic forces that are trying to get after you, even right now. They're after your life. There are, we, we don't just live in the natural dimension. There, there's a spirit dimension that Satan has a, you know, we could say this, God has a wonderful plan for your life, but Satan has a plan for your life too. So how do you know if you're walking in your authority or not? Let me just give you one little test, Okay. If you're afraid of demons, you don't know who you are. If you're afraid of demons, the demonic, you've been watching too many movies and not enough scripture. Why? Because, let's just say it this way. If demons are real, if God is real, we know how the playbook works. We know that if there's an actual demonic reality that is trying to come after our life, we also know that Jesus has authority over that and that he also gave us authority over that. And so, so there's been many times in my life, you know, we could tell you stories of, of all these things where we've come up against demonic things. There's, you know, I remember one time when I was on a missions trip, I was in Barcelona, Spain, and I was with a, a group of people. We're walking down the road. Like, no one knows us, right? Like, obviously, we're just there. It's like I'm day two in. I'm walking in with these teenagers as a youth pastor, and I'm walking down the road, and this random person just comes up to me. This random guy comes up to me, and he says, you guys are telling people about Jesus, aren't you? How do I get saved? I was like, that's like right out of the Bible, right? And so we took him over to the side, into this, this building off to the side, and started to pray with him, started to share the gospel with him. Well, as I, I took hold of his hand to pray with him, he starts to growl at me or the spirit within him and starts to squeeze, to crush my hand, to look at me. And so what do I do? Well, I got authority over that. I just look at him and say, be gone in the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. I have authority through the name of Jesus. He was set free and released. Imagine if I wasn't walking in my authority that day. That man may still be in bondage and I might've had a really bad day like those guys, you know? But I know who I am. I'm not intimidated by that. There's time and time again where we've encountered people even here, like as I'm praying for somebody. And you know, the demonic spirits will try to influence, but we have authority. We don't let them have any reign because we have authority. The other day I was praying for somebody and I was speaking actually to the spirit that was behind it. And I, and I said these words, I said, we're not intimidated. I was speaking to the spirit. And immediately when I said that, I heard, I didn't hear it audibly, but I heard immediately before I could even think it, you should be. And I immediately spoke back, I'm not. Why? Because I have the authority. So many of us, you have authority in the spirit and you may not even realize it, but see, just because Jesus gave you the authority doesn't mean you're walking in it. Some of us might be tormented right now. And my heart for you is that you would walk free today when you realize who you are. Some of us have been walking in this thing. See, because here's the thing. Let me just blow up some false doctrine for you, okay? Some, 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 let me just blow up some TikTok theology for you, okay? 
I heard it somewhere. I don't even know where I heard it, but I saw it or something the other day, and it said something like this, that everything in my life is only there because God allows it to be. So I can walk through anything because anything that is in my life, it's because God allowed it to be. That is not true, by the way. Just delete that, unfollow that, and let me tell you why that's not true. Because Jesus gave us authority. He says to resist the enemy for a reason. So if everything is in my life because God allows it to be there, and I'm just supposed to, well, it's sovereign God, and I'm just supposed to accept it, and God will give me the strength to get it, and God never gives me anything I can't handle. No, God gave you keys so that you can resist the enemy and evict things out of your life that's not supposed to be there. But you, you have to know who you are. So, Jesus, so here's the question. Who are you? All right, so you guys are just going to have to tolerate this because I just, I found myself uh, just randomly just scrolling through something this week and I started watching The Bourne Identity. Okay, so how many of you guys have seen that movie? Okay, The Bourne Identity. So I'm like watching The Bourne Identity and I'm preaching on this and I'm like, man, this is just a setup. So you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to bear with me because we're seeing some Bourne Identity clips today. So here's the first one. Let's watch. I'm not making this up. These are real. Okay. Who has a safety deposit box full of money and six passports and a gun? Who has a bank account number in their hip? I come in here. And the first thing I'm doing is I'm catching the sight lines and looking for an exit. I see the exit sign too, I'm not worried. I mean, you were shot. People do all kinds of weird and amazing stuff when they're scared. I can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed and the guy sitting up at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. I know the best place to look for a gun is the cab of the gray truck outside. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that? How can I know that and not know who I am? Some of us are like that in the spirit. We have all this, these tools at our disposal but we don't know who we are. You have authority. That's one of the pieces of spiritual idea that you need to have. So if I want to go to a different country, what do I need? He talked about it. A passport, right? What is a passport? A passport is something that does what? It, it proves my identity, and it also gives me access. And so if I want to go into... Like, well, a few, few years ago, my passport expired. And by the way, don't let that expire because then it's like a whole process and like it takes a long time to get it all and stuff. And so I had to go through this whole process and to, just to, re why? Because I was thinking about going to a different country, but I can't go into an, a country with an old expired passport, right? Why? Because that's saying we, we don't know if that's your current identity. We don't know who you are at that point or that's who you were, but maybe you're not that anymore, or we don't know, right? Because the passport proves identity and gives access. Many of you, many of us, we want to go to a new place, to a new land, to a new place in our walk with God, or God's calling us into a new season, but we still have an old passport. 
we're still operating under the way that we used to be. And listen, this can even happen after you've been in Christ. That God has a place for you to go, but you're not, you are still operating off of an old, outdated identity, and you cannot take a, an old passport into a new land. You cannot take old thoughts into a new season. You cannot take an old way. This is good preaching, by the way, guys. I'm just letting you know. This is good. Because here's, what, here's what's happening. Some of us, we keep trying. We're, we're getting up to the edge. We keep trying, and we wonder, why am I not able to fully step into what God has for me? It's because we're oper- we've got an old passport. That passport gave you access to the level and to the places and the ways that God needed you to be in that old season, but it's not what you need for this new season. And so... There's always opposition to your kingdom identity. And when Satan, he's always trying to steal your identity. And when Satan steals your identity, what he does is he's stolen your access to kingdom benefits and kingdom plans that God has for your life. And that's his mission is to steal your identity. There's always opposition to your kingdom identity. But the biggest opposition is not going to be external. It's going to be internal. For you to walk in the way that God has called you to, it's not going to be an external thing as much as that can derail you. It's going to be something internal. And so here's the next piece of ID that I want to give you, and that is this. Not only do you have authority in the name of Jesus, you also have been adopted through the love of the Father. And if you don't know this, you will spend many, many years in the wilderness of your life. Adoption is a theme that's all throughout the Bible. We think about you know, Joseph adopted Jesus, even. We think about Pharaoh's daughter adopted Moses. Eli adopted Samuel. I could go through all these, this picture of adoption. And then Paul writes this scripture about adoption, and many of them in, in the Bible, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, God made us members of his family. He gave us his name, essentially. You remember the the story of the prodigal son. It's a very famous story of this this guy who had two sons, and one of the sons was a young guy, and he just wanted to go out and kind of make his own way. He wanted wanted to get his inheritance early, and so he got his inheritance early, and he took off, and he wanted to go spend his life and go live it up and go explore and to go find out what life is all about. And he goes and he tries everything. He spends all of his money. He ends up in a pig pen. He's in shame. He's, he's, I mean, he's got no money. Nothing turned out the way he thought it was. And then he finally, he has this thought that, well, at least being a servant in my father's house is better than this. And so if I can go back there and just be a servant. And so his whole time, I'm sure as he's going up there, he's reciting this speech in his mind that, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you'd even take me as one of your hired hands, but I'm willing, I'm a, you know, I'm a hard worker and I, I'm willing to come back and I'll start at the bottom, you know, and, and you don't have to give me special treatment. And I'm sure he's working all this over as he's approaching his father's house, but he's got shame and he, he's, he's got regret. And of course we know the other side of the story, because the father is just waiting day after day, watching for his son, and, and he's there, and as soon as he sees his son afar off, he runs up to him, and he wraps his arms around him, and he kisses him, and he says, bring the robe, kill the fatted calf, put the ring, ring on his finger, the sandals on his feet, 
And he goes through, he starts, you can just imagine he's starting through his speech. Okay, I, I, I can come as a servant. And his father stops him. He's having none of it. He won't let him even get the sentence out. And he, he says, my son was dead, but now he's alive. What I want you to understand is that so many of us, whenever we're going through life, we end up defaulting back to a servant identity. But in the kingdom of God, you're really only offered one identity, and that's a family identity. It's son or daughter. It's not servant or, or slave. You can say, well, what about good and faithful servant? Servant describes what you do, but not who you are. And some of us are trying to work our way back. We're trying to please the Father in a way that, he, listen, he gave us his name. You are who you are, not because of anything you've done, but because you bear his name. That's the spirit of adoption. And when you realize who you are, oh man, the freedom that comes. See, there's, all, there's always opposition to your kingdom identity, but here's what you have to know. When you start to get this, there's always opportunity in your kingdom identity. The question is, what opportunities am I missing out on because I'm not truly living in my kingdom identity? What, what opportunity are we talking about? Well, when you know who you are, you start to know what you're to do. When you know who you are, all of a sudden, all of these things start to slot in place. When you don't know who you are, you start to try to do things in other ways. You try to do things by what other people are doing or by what you've heard about or by your default passport instead of who you are. All right, I promise you another clip from Born Identity. Well, let's watch. One more. What's the payphone number? 616-2468. Exits? Desk three. Service at the back. Uh, side goes to the street, past the shops. Front is the best. If I think I'm being followed, I walk out with the bag over my right shoulder. And if there's no taxi? I keep on walking. Don't look back until you make contact. What? We need this, right? Okay. I need distances. You walk in, you pick a spot. Some midpoint in the lobby. I want you to count your steps to that spot and then remember that number because after I call you, I can get you moving. You understand? I also need a head count. How many people from the time you walk in until you get to the desk? How many hotel employees are there? And obviously security, and it might not be that easy to see who they are, so I'll call you, you give me the layout, and we'll take it from there. something go wrong? What? I've got the records. This guy at the front desk was smiling at me, so I thought, you know, all this trouble, maybe it's easier to just ask for them. Do you have the bill? Maybe a photocopy. You just asked for it? I love it. You just asked for it? 
It's like he gives all these instructions, all these complicated things, and then she's just like, oh, I'm me. I'll just do it my way, right? I'll just do it the way that I know how to do it. This is the way we are at times when we overcomplicate things, trying to find it our own way or trying to follow somebody else's way. When you know who you are, things start to lock in place and answers start to come. You have been adopted through the love of the Father. But let me give you one more piece of spiritual ID. You've also been anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen to that? That's a good amen one right there. What does it mean to be anointed? Well, let's look at this. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus was this. It says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. See, God's presence and power were residing in the anointing. It was his presence and his power, the power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is simply the power to, of the Holy Spirit to do what God has assigned you to do. Let me say that again. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is simply the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God has assigned you to do. And God... God anointed Jesus with himself. It was the only thing that he had that was greater or equal value was to anoint Jesus with himself. That's all he could do. But we've been anointed with the same anointing that Jesus was. We see this in several spots, but 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 21 and 22 says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. See, when he anoints you, anointing comes, with, with anointing comes assignment, and with assignment comes ability. When you know who you are, you'll start to know what you are to do. When you figure out that you have authority in, in the name of Jesus, that you've been adopted through the love of the Father, and that you've been anointed with an assignment for the, with the power of the Holy Spirit, things start to lock into place. And if you don't allow these, see, the anointing is not there for you to feel something, it's there for you to do something. But if you don't know who you are, you'll end up doing the wrong things. If you just think, for example, that, oh, you know, whatever comes my way, kind of a fatalistic mindset, or even like the sovereignty of God mindset of like, well, God just, you know, he's, he's the grand chess master and he's causing all of these things to happen. If you just think that, what, what's gonna happen is, Eventually, you'll never play your part that you're supposed to play because you just think that God is so sovereign that he's moving all the chess pieces for me and I'm just supposed to wait and see what happens. See, if you don't know who you are and that God has a part for you to play, then you won't know what you are to do. If you think that my identity is just a beggar before God and all I can do is just beg and, and just barely hang on, like I'm just barely saved, I'm just a beggar at the gates of God, then guess what? You are never going to walk in the full measure of the love of God because you won't understand it. You'll never receive the full love of God if you think you're just a beggar because he didn't, he didn't create you as a beggar. He created you as a son or a daughter. So many people I know are just, I'm just a, they're just singing that song that's that popular song on K-Love or whatever it is. I'm just a beggar at the gates, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is because I, I turn the channel every time. I'm like, you don't even know. You don't even know. I don't even know who wrote it. So I'm not mad, but, you know, it's just, I don't listen to it either. But if all you are is just think you're a beggar, do you, you realize this, right? God didn't create you as a beggar. The prodigal son's story is there to prove that, to say, 
You are a son. You are a daughter. You bear my name. You are a saint. You say, I still sin. Yeah, you, you still sin, but you are a saint. You are, you are a saint who sometimes sins. But your identity is a son or a daughter because when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. If you think weakness like, is like a virtue or something like that, like, well, my identity is to be weak because somehow there's holiness and weakness, then you will never walk in God's strength. You say, yeah, but Pastor Sean, what about that, that scripture of when, when I'm weak, then he's made strong? Yeah, you know the end of it? Strength. It's not to focus on how weak we are. It's to focus that the end result is no matter how weak you are, God will supply his strength. And when you know who you are, then you'll know how to pray. You'll know what to do. You'll know where to go. Let me give you one last thing. Worship team can come back up. I I read this a long time ago, several years ago. I've shared this, but I've got a, a picture for you. This is a picture of an African impala. Look at that. Isn't that crazy? The African, I heard this, and it's like so, like, I don't even know if I believe it's true, but you can Google it. It's all over the place. The African Impala, quick stats as we close, jump, it can jump to a height of over 10 feet. I think he's getting pretty close there. Uh, jump to a height of over 10 feet and a distance of greater than 30 feet. These things are insane, right? They can jump, but, but here's the thing. As, as high as these things can jump, and as far, I mean, 30 feet. This room is 50 feet from side to side. So it can, get, it can jump two-thirds of this room in one jump. But you know what? It can be kept in any zoo with an enclosure that is a fence that is three feet tall. Why? Because they say that an African impala will not jump over something if it can't see where it feet, its feet are going to land. It just won't do it. They don't even know what they're capable of. They could jump over that any time. But a little three-foot fence keeps them from being able to jump well over half this room. What three-foot fence? Let's just go with the analogy. What three-foot fence is keeping you back right now? Because you don't know who you are. What I'm just asking you to do is to Ask yourself, what is my spiritual ID? Oh, I may have a reputation in the natural, but what's my reputation in the spirit? If I was to encounter something in the spirit, would people even know? Like, would the demonic forces even know who I am? What's my reputation? Am I allowing a little three-foot wall to hold me back? You see, some of us, we need to just blow the lid off that. And we need just, just to surrender to God and to put our trust and say, Jesus, I will jump and I will trust you with where my feet lands. I'm, I'm going to jump because I know how you created me. Last scripture. This is really the barrier. Remember I said that there's always opposition to your kingdom identity. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If all you're thinking about is natural things, you'll never see what you need to do in the spirit. If all you think is your natural reputation and how you walk that out, you'll never walk in the ways that God has for you. 
See, your mind will try to talk you out. Listen to this. Your mind will try to talk you out of what your spirit wants to do. Your mind will try to talk you out of what your spirit wants to access. Because you don't know who you are. But what I want to do is I'm going to do something that may seem a little cheesy here at the end, and that's fine. But those of you guys who want to participate, you can. Would you stand up with me? I want to just lead you in a quick, you know, we do, we do a Pledge of Allegiance, you know, at school and all that type of stuff when you're young. And, but can we just have kind of a renewed passport pledge, you know, before the Lord of just kind of renewing, like restating our identity? And this is, I know this sounds a little weird, but for those of you guys who want to, you can, you can do this. I just saw me putting my hand over my heart just as a way to say, God, would you guard my heart? Would you protect my heart? And so if you wanna join with me, I'm just gonna lead you in this. And you can just say this after me. Just say, I have authority in the name of Jesus. I am adopted through the love of the Father. I've been anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, with the, our hands over our hearts, we say, would you guard our hearts and also guard our minds so that whenever Satan tries to steal our identity, that there is an opposition within us that's the Spirit of God that resists the enemy and says, we know who we are. And because we know who we are, we know, what we, are, we know what we're capable of through you because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. That we will be able to jump over any, any barrier that the enemy puts in our way that tries to mess with our minds, that tries to be a limitator. A limiter. We, we say no, there are no limitations in God. And the, the God, we say that God's will is always possible in our life because we know who we are. And Lord, I pray over these people. I say these are people who are walking in the way of Jesus, in the love of the Father, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. These are people who are walking in the way of Jesus, the love of the Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Reset our defaults, reset our thinkings, renew our spiritual passport, our spiritual ID, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.